Welcome to Faint Praise. I'm Tony. I'm Eric. And this is a podcast where we watch two similar bad movies and then talk about which one is better. And or this, worse, or depending worse, on if you're glass half empty or glass half full. Well, the connotation of the name of the podcast, Faint Praise, is this bad thing is not as bad like, yeah, as this won, bad thing. Yeah, you won, but it's like a contest of who is less shitty. Right, exactly. So when you talk about which one is better, you're talking about which one is least worst. So... Least worst. So now that we've got that out of the way, uh, this week's theme is one that I kind of was a happenstance. Wasn't necessarily planning it. It also connects on a lot of levels, interestingly enough. So I had started to think about doing this theme because recently the state that we're from, we don't live there anymore, but we're from Florida, and people were freaking out because it snowed a little bit and it's been a cold winter. And then everybody started talking about climate change, and it made me remember... One of the movies that pissed me off the most when I saw it in theaters <laughs> was The Day After Tomorrow. Which, what year was that? 2004. Okay, so it was a long time ago. We were just out of high school. Basically. Yeah. Couple, well, you were in college. A it was my years first out. year in college. I was seeing a lot of movies at that time. And I just remember really, really hating The Day After Tomorrow. But I didn't remember that much about it. So I started to think, well, maybe this theme of climate change and colder than normal in our you know real life can translate to a podcast theme and uh, before I even had a chance to plan it, we went on vacation and we were in a motel just flipping through channels. And what would come on? Well, it was like only five minutes in, too. So we were like, you know what? Let's just watch this. Because yep. we're thinking about doing the podcast on these two anyway. We're right. sitting here. It's watching. So it. it just kind of all came together. So... But since it was on TV, we probably got the edited version. So there's no nudity. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing Roland Emmerich loves, it's boobs <laughs> no he does not he does not care at all about boobs but there are a few things that he really loves and we'll be talking about them yes he does have some some obsessions some fetishes and which uh, is billions of people dying apparently yeah. <laughs> he's got what independence day godzilla day after tomorrow 2012 right he uh, likes a lot of people dying he does he likes people but like non not up close and graphically he likes to see like little shadows falling out of shapes falling out of buildings and stuff right like that. right huge so, floods wiping out things stuff like that so we chose the most similar of those two movies that eric just mentioned those, obviously day after yeah. tomorrow and then the second one is 2012 because they're because both specifically they're, natural disaster exactly movies. they're basically the same like i honestly with independence day i would not necessarily have called that a disaster no, i would movie. say it's a sci-fi movie right it wasn't until you started to see the direction that roland emmerich's career was going that that gets lumped into he his has other this disaster fetish of movies. entire cities being destroyed right and because Very there quickly. are there are specific things that happen in his later disaster movies that also happened in independence day so you kind of have to lump it in and i have a feeling especially me i don't know about you i'm probably going to bring I've in a, a discussion feeling. of independence day while we're talking about the two that just are actually the, the similar focus. elements of it. Right. Just the the little things that you see start in like Independence dogs. Day. Like dogs. <laughs> Definitely like dogs. Like the obsession with the upper levels of the government being involved and whatever. And they, right. the main characters being either president or vice president. You know, destruction and of monuments. And it's always some scientist who gets brought in for something too. Like right. Jeff Goldblum. You got uh, Randy Quaid. Right. You've got Chiwodal. Well, Dennis Quaid. You are confusing what Randy, I say, Quaid. Randy Quaid. You said okay, Randy Quaid. Okay, yeah. I meant Dennis Quaid. Yeah, Dennis Quaid in Day After. Randy Quaid is actually a different role right. in uh, Independence Day. Right. Um, you know, the monuments the best being part of destroyed. Any of those four movies, and, yeah, arguably. <laughs> um, they abused him right. sexually. <laughs> 
So anyway, we since we we uh, started off with day after tomorrow because it was just the the first one that we happened across. Normally, we would try to go by Rotten Tomatoes scores. We were going to watch. We had our heart set on a Storage Wars marathon and right. then just, <laughs> or whatever they're playing on A&E now. I don't even know what the new shows are. I never watch TV. What would TV. it be? We Shark don't even Tank have... or something? Is that even A&E? I imagine it's something I don't like know. that. Shark Tank was playing in the, was in the hotel. <laughs> and we had a friend staying with us in the hotel and he was going to watch Shark Tank. And I was just like, please, no. I like Shark Tank? <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like people getting yelled at and embarrassing themselves <laughs> in real life. <laughs> so let's watch millions of people die. Yep. Yeah. I was like, I would rather see the extinction of the human race, please. So he switched it to day after Roland tomorrow. Roland was like, I got you, fam. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to guess what the Rotten Tomato score is for day after tomorrow? <sighs> Jesus. I'm betting it's higher than I think it should be, but still fairly low. All right. So I'm guessing it's in the upper 20s, low 30s. 44. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So this movie was not necessarily hated. No. Um, I remember being just infuriated walking out of theaters by it, but I guess critics, for the most part, didn't necessarily feel that badly about it. But um, I'm going to try to keep this synopsis pretty short. The Day After Tomorrow is about a an ice age that comes over the world in like a matter of a week. Yeah. And it focuses on some... The main characters are... Dennis Quaid, not Randy Quaid. Dennis Quaid is some sort of climatologist who had said there was going to be an ice age coming. He just didn't think it was going to be the day after tomorrow. He thought it was going to be like 200 years from now. In his journey to save his son, Jake Gyllenhaal, who is stuck in New York when the ice hurricane with hits M- emily rossum emmy rossum emmy ross i always call her emily she's the one who has a fake name it's not my fault yeah uh so those are your basically your three main yeah, characters emma. what happened to emma I, she, her parents didn't ask me when they started it sounds like a, look emmy. it up on, i bet her real birth name is emily or something it probably is emily. or emmanuel e with the e in <laughs> yeah. the end and they're like emmy yeah, yeah something french um i'd be willing to bet 50 american cents on this <laughs> oh wait is it something fucking weird <laughs> what is it emmanuel <laughs> <laughs> that was a fucking good call man i thought for sure it was gonna be emily <laughs> I am a genius. <laughs> Damn, Eric, you got this shit figured out too much. <laughs> yeah. This shit being this thing we call life. <laughs> right. Anyway, Emmanuel. Women. Women. <laughs> I got them figured out. Or at least they're crazy parents. Okay, so that's that's the only synopsis I'm going to oh, give for the movie. This is totally a uh, uh-huh. off, um, what's the word? Off subject. Topic? Off topic. But you know that rapper Cardi B? No. Okay, there's some rapper named Cardi B. She's sort of like an Iggy Azalea type, whatever. And uh, her apparently her real I saw some tweet where some guy was like, I just found out Cardi B's real name is like it's like Bocaris Almanzar or something. And he's like, I swear when I said that out loud my furniture started levitating. (laughs) 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 Bocalis Almanzar. (laughs) It was like it was I'm not far off. It was something like that. Yeah. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Well glad we could steal that guy's joke. Share it with the world. In this unrelated platform. Right. So anyway. Maybe uh, you should retweet. Find it on your Twitter and retweet it. Oh, yeah. It'll give me something to do on Twitter, guys. I'm very bad at Twitter right now. So uh, Speaking of which, your picture is now my dog. You guys should go look at it. You'll love it. It's pretty great. It is pretty pretty. Yeah. You're going to like the dog better than you like the podcast, I promise. But that's allowed. I also like the dog more than I like the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So getting okay, into so the purpose of this podcast, which is to rate each movie in four different categories. We have acting, visuals, structure, and entertainment value. And each of us will give up to five points in each category in whichever movie. Which has movie, never happened. Which has never happened. I mean, this is, we're always talking about bad it's movies. faint praise, not... Not high praise. Pra- high praise. Yeah. Maybe we'll do some high praise episodes, but... Um, yeah, that would be a good name for them, high praise. But uh, no. So for right now, up to five points in each category. Whichever movie has the most points at the end, we consider the better movie. So starting off with acting for yep. the day after tomorrow, I gave it a pretty mediocre score. I said two. I said two as well. Yeah. Because it's hard to look at this movie and say, like, that had shitty acting. Right. It really didn't. It really, you know, as any I was the, watching Any of the it, problems in this are related to the way it's written and the situations. Exactly. I was like, there is nothing that any I will of these say, actors could have done with these no. roles. I, the, I will say the casting is a little haphazard. Not really bad, just so, random. So I... I hesitate to say that Dennis Quaid is miscast because Dennis Quaid is America's dad. Like, and anything I've ever seen him in, he's some mostly grown dude's dad. But he still doesn't feel like the right. He just doesn't feel like a scientist. No, no, he he barely. He He feels like he should be a farmer. He struggled (laughs) with the scientist roles, and he is good as a farmer, as like a construction worker, you know, fireman, some like like salt of the earth type role. He's a good dad. If he was a comedian, he would be Tim Allen. That's the next interview question. If you were a comedian, who would you be? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Maybe Dennis Leary, but he's not that crass. I always want to call him Dennis Leary. Don't equate (laughs) Dennis Quaid with Dennis Leary because then I'm never going to get his name right again. Um, Yeah, so we'll go with Tim Allen. But he really struggled with this scientist role. Sometimes he had a hard time saying the words. Yeah, 1.21 gigawatts. Right, yeah. I think Eric said that every single time he came on screen and started <laughs> it talking It seemed like, about, here, say this. Yeah. He didn't even know that it's well, wrong. he was kind of talking slow, and he was almost like sounding out right, the, the words. syllables. I think it may have just been that he like didn't do a good job memorizing his lines or something. He might not have. Yeah. I, so I, I hesitate to say he was sleepwalking. He didn't do a terrible job, but... No, but there wasn't much to the character either. Exactly. But to when, none of these characters. Right, but I mean, he was believed enough as a man Jake who would do anything like he to was get on like son. Valium the whole movie. Oh, Jesus, he had like Jake this weird like staring off in the distance all the time. It took me a long time to consider that he could possibly be a good actor after seeing him I think him he in was just I don't know if it was I mean part of it's the writing. Part of it I think is this like 27 year old trying to play like a, a teenager yeah. and be like oh I'm in and it just came across as him like staring around open mouthed at right. things. Yeah and him and he's not only is he playing a high schooler he's playing a nerdy wimpy loser high schooler and not and that Jake, I think that was his attempt yeah at doing and Jake this. Gyllenhaal isn't like the hottest guy in the entire world but, but he's not like a mathlete right there's one point see. he's like leaning against a wall with his arms crossed and his biceps are bulging and he's like trying to look all bulging, but he they were look like he... they were for a nerd like if i walked into a room and i didn't I know for any, like a bunch like, of like debate school i wouldn't pick this club. guy out and be like look at well, that same with the fucking chick, nerd like, yeah emmanuel <laughs> is not the type of chick that you would see in a debate team right Right. So, I mean, I, yeah, again, I can't say anybody did a terrible job. Emmy Rossum, she's a, she's fine in this, but her facial expressions bother me. I remember that specifically from... Did she, did she have, like, misty eyes throughout this whole movie? Like, no, she, like she had she, wide eyes. That's what I mean, but if, in, in Shameless, it's, she's doing the same thing, but she's always on the verge of crying. Oh. She's always like, oh. Well, that makes more sense. Maybe that's why she's good in Shameless. But this yeah. one, it was more... It was more like she, she was naked trying more to. In Shameless too. Yeah. Well, it sounds like everything about Shameless is better than it does the day have after William tomorrow. Does William H Macy in it? Um. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is much better. <laughs> He's really America's dad. <laughs> yeah. 
He's alcoholic. Yeah, he's the dad America deserves. <laughs> Dennis Quaid not is the, the one dad we want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's one we deserve, not the one we need. Right, right. Uh, who are the other major characters in this? There Cela other major Ward ca- is Dennis Quaid's wife. She's not character. a major character. She's not. She's good in it. She's fine. I mean, um, you have like. There's, I mean, that's it. There's no other major character. Yeah, and there was the the vice president is a semi main character in this, but he's right. not played by anybody recognizable. So acting for the most part, as you're watching this movie and you're trying to dissect what went wrong, the it's, actors don't really settle and the that. casting do not totally, stand out. Yeah, it's just so yeah. So I said two as well. Right. All right. Fair enough. Well, we're off to off to a good start. Again, I was gonna try really hard not to say it, but we always say I don't think we're gonna agree on this one. I felt that way, but hey, maybe we will. Yeah, so. I don't know. All right, moving on to visuals. What do you have to say? They, it's funny. This is one of those that, within the the time, they didn't, they weren't terrible special effects, mm-hmm. but they, so many of them just are cheesy or fall completely flat for various reasons. That it's just a complete dud in my mind visually. Bingo! I completely agree. As I was watching it, the stuff that even when yeah. done well, if I don't know if anything, if any of it's done amazingly well, but even the stuff that like okay, that's not bad special effects. It's so like either over the top mm-hmm. or cheesy that it's just like. Pfft. Right. So the the yeah, the effects are fine for being a close to fifteen year old movie. Uh, they don't really hold up all that well. Honestly, but- I was shocked at how much favorably they compared to the 2012 graphics yes which was like a fucking decade well not a decade it was like uh it was 2010 oh nine so it was five six years later right but they looked worse in 2012 yes definitely so give your actual score i said one and a half i said one and a half because like that's not purely just on how it looks but the choices it's the the emotional impact impact. yeah there was so little impact yeah we've we've already mentioned i mean roland emmerich has his obsessions and one of the things he likes to he likes to destroy major cities and monuments. you know what i think this is it's like there's this something that with his movies that make his visuals lack impact, and it's almost like I was trying to come up with like an analogy. So it came up with one that's really ridiculous. All right, <laughs> but it's sort of how like the difference between like a tease or striptease show or something like that, and you could do something very minorly pornographic, and it would be like, oh my god, versus like your all these ads start popping up on your uh, <laughs> what do you call your. Uh, computer and it's all like buttholes in your face you're just gonna be like what the fuck is it like there's no emotional impact it's nuance just like, yeah well there's no nuance just like all in your face destruction blah 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 for the whole 90 minutes and it just doesn't mean anything you don't feel you stop feeling anything out about of it. context yeah it, it's, it's the death that like and it's so weird because he'll focus on he'll show a building a whole city basically sliding into the sea or whatever, getting frozen over. Million, literally millions of people die. And then the next scene will be one individual about to slide over a ledge. And that's supposed <laughs> to have some like deep impact to, emotionally to you. Right. When it's like a secondary character. And you're like, yeah. well, you know, is it really that much worse for three million and one people to die in this? It's, I mean, it's desensitization. It's right. a difference well, between, yeah, it's a difference between being excited about, you know, a pair of boobs in a movie when you weren't expecting it. And then, yeah, while you're watching porn, just having like buttholes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. so, okay, well. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're kind of past yeah, it's that. Just another butthole. Or like after seeing a bunch of buttholes, someone just like flashes some cleavage and you're like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know oh what I mean? boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's a fair enough comparison. So part of it's desensitization. Part of it is that they just didn't do a good job of making you care about the. 
care. And also, right. and this was true, because it feels like disaster porn. I'm not gonna, as you're watching, as you're watching, you know, the Statue of Liberty get right. frozen over and everything right. falls. You're just like, oh, okay. Whereas, I mean, in Independence Day, that same stuff worked for me. The image of the White House being blown up is iconic because. You were sort of you were involved. But also, at that point. there was first of all, you didn't really know exactly what the aliens were going to do. You figure yeah. it's an attack or whatever. You've seen the previews, and there's an element of like there's something you can do about it. Like you're actually fighting these things, right? And it's some entity that you can actually have feelings about or against, or oh my right. god, they got to fight this. When it's like the weather and solar storms, like you're just a pass. It's like a disease. You're just a passive recipient that was waiting a, for it to happen to you. That was another thing I was going to bring up. I was going to bring it up after we There's talked about for the both movies. To do, really. But yeah, I There's mean, no enemy. Part of the part of the reason Independence Day. I will say up front, a lot of people like to talk shit about Independence Day now. It seems to be something within the past five right, because years. It was always viewed favorably for I, a long time. I, I think it's just kind of a trend like now that we've seen where Roland Emmerich's career went well we always thought he was shitty like you know what no I like I still like Independence Day I haven't watched it in a couple years like those fighters when they finally lose like oh they always suck right like oh shut up right you said bringing every little thing they ever did or said it's like oh like oh well it's 18 title defenses he's all this and this and this and And like shut up yeah so that's kind of how I feel about people talking about Independence Day I'm like oh shut up like that that it was a I, fun movie. Everyone I, liked it. Right. Well into my 20s, which was the last time I watched the movie, I liked it a lot. It still works for me. I could probably watch it right now and yeah. still enjoy it. And part of it is because, yes, there is a fight going on. Right. There is an effect that the people can there have on it. There is an antagonist. It. Right. Where, like, when you just have general disaster going on and nothing that any of the people can do to affect the situation, right. other than maybe one or two people here or there, it's just, it doesn't make for... It doesn't have the same emotional impact. Yeah, it doesn't make I for... I will say that I, I do like disaster movies, but not when they're to such this ridiculously epic scale. You know, like something like an economic collapse or a localized, like a Dante's Peak or something, to me is a lot better than something like this. I honestly have not seen Dante's Peak in so long. I saw it once in middle school. I will say probably the best, and this is actually because of the reasons we mentioned, the best one that was like that epic would probably be like uh, Deep Impact. But like... We what? Were, no. In terms of Deep like... Deep Impact the, is terrible. You didn't like Deep Impact? No, I feel like in, we in just... the sense of like you you at least, they have, they're going to destroy the comet. So you feel like, okay, there's actually some sort of plot arc and not a nemesis, but there's something that they Are can you talking try about Armageddon? Do. No, Armageddon's the one with Bruce Willis. Yeah. I thought Deep Impact was better than Armageddon. So I have never seen Armageddon. I saw Deep Impact probably, I, I didn't see it at first. I saw it probably five years ago and and just thought it was bad. So maybe you need to, I mean, maybe Armageddon and Deep Impact yeah. can be an episode one day. I wasn't or going Dante's to. Dante's Peak and Volcano. Yeah, so those one. are the real classic ones. Those are what, what Anyways, part of what, yeah. I don't want to get too far off topic. My oh, point we're is so like, far off topic. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I mean, going coming back to just purely the visuals for a day after tomorrow and why both of us gave right. it a one and a half aside from not being impactful they are so silly they're just supposed silly. to i mean and the, he really the thing, likes the big cheese, the big cheese. go ahead the big thing i remember in the theater that pissed me off other than emmy rossum's facial expressions <laughs> um was the ice chasing yeah. people down the hallway i was hallway. gonna say he likes inanimate things chasing you yes like cracks earthquakes waves yes ice wind or whatever right and it is not to mention it's completely like 
unrealistic when you know, it's, it's like this freezing when there's not a consciousness behind the thing chasing you right. then it's just a matter of That's luck what I mean, right. yeah and it's not interesting to watch i don't remember anything like that happening in independence day i think that other than the fireball you know and they're like trying to run Boomer! away from that yeah <laughs> the dog, and the yeah. dog but yeah, that's the closest thing. That's not really a chase. It's just a growing of like the explosion. fireball, yeah. which is a pretty classic thing in a lot of different movies. Yeah, it's not to say that none of these things can be done right. well or can be used in some movies. And I think that was Independence Day was the one where he used a lot of these same elements, but he did it in a way that was a little more nuanced or the rest of the movie was better and the characters are better and it just it worked overall. Right. So anyways, I said one and a half. What do you say? One and a half. Same thing. So right. far dead we're... Dead even. Yeah, dead even. So let's move on to structure. I said one and a half. I said one and a half also. (laughs) So it's, uh, it it did anger me in theaters. It did not anger me this time. I guess I've just calmed down in general. I was more prepared. And I mean, in the end, it was just silly. It wasn't insulting. No, it wasn't. That's what we're talking about with the acting. Like a lot of it wasn't so bad. It's just like, why would you do all this weirdness? Like obviously the science behind what was going on to have an ice age that happens over a matter of a few days is just ridiculous. ridiculous. But it's not as insulting as I found it. No, for me the. But it does make it so that you're just watching the movie going, huh? The main structural problem with, or one of the main structural problems with this movie was you're watching this movie, you're seeing them like discover things that don't mean anything to you. And it's supposed to be like impactful. Like, look at this chart. Yeah. And they're like, dun, dun, dun. I'm like, what, what is this? What am I looking at? It could be like his cholesterol for all I know or yeah. something. Like amount of cheeseburgers my wife has eaten in the last two weeks. <laughs> the chart spikes up. And yeah. like, oh my God. And, and they're like open. And it's like, yeah. There are points that they use the same graphics like an hour apart in the movie and it's right. not supposed to be the same thing happening, but they were just lazy and like, showed the We don't the have any graphic. other graphs, so use this Yeah, one. they tried to show like a graphic having to do with the wind speed of the ice and how yeah, quickly so you it was really don't everything. know exactly yeah. what's supposed to be happening right certainly not why it's supposed to be happening they have these weird explanations they throw out there mm-hmm. about solar flares and shit but like you're like okay so what is that gonna is everyone gonna die like what is they don't give a, do a good job of explaining what you're supposed to be afraid of right because it's not about escaping it it's about he just wants to show the disaster right the only little thing that he sets up for you to escape is the Jake Gyllenhaal's lost and the yes but he also survives I don't want to say easily, but all he does is like shore up and make a fire and like everyone else dies and all you have to do is sit there and make a fire. In the end, what Roland Emmerich does, because he realizes this is a a disaster movie that most of the world is going to be destroyed and that outcome is predetermined. There's nothing the characters can do about it. So he's smart enough to know I have to make a little sub story for right. people because I can't literally just show yeah. cities being right. destroyed. So the little the little sub story that he makes is that Dennis Quaid needs to trek across the now frozen tundra that is New York City to get his son Jake Gyllenhaal out of the library in New York. Uh, yeah, somewhere. in New York. I can't remember which library it is. So a lot of the movie is centered on that. And like Dennis Quaid has a couple scientist friends that come along with him and they show a lot of them in their like winter gear. A couple of them die trying to... Yeah, well, one of his friends dies. So that's the first problem. Two of them die because one guy cuts himself loose and then... No, the second guy makes it. Oh, that's right. He did make it. Yeah. So one of the guys... Yeah, one of the guys sacrifices himself when he falls through the roof of a building that's covered in snow. He cuts his cord so that the other two don't fall in behind him. But even like these two guys following Dennis Quaid, the writing is so 
lazy and ham yeah, that you're like, like why would this guy that are just like movie element off a shelf and insert it and the element right. is some guy's about to do something dangerous and his buddies are like you're not going without me yeah. but you like you don't know anything about them right for all and from all intents and purposes they're like wouldn't even be assets on this trip yeah they're like one guy's like an old guy kind of fat <laughs> yeah. they're like scientists and he's going on basically like this arctic expedition through extremely harsh and then right. the guy fucking dies yeah yeah and <laughs> like then, a fat lot of good that and did when it. they when they say like we're not we're not letting you go without us i'm kind of like what you don't have any family that yeah, you want to exactly. go help you want to go help this fucking guy's you know brat son and they just don't do a good job setting up why you should care more about jake gyllenhaal and his girlfriend surviving than anyone else's in the right. library and then in new york city the kicker other than they just said movies telling you yeah. hey these are the main characters these are the ones you're supposed to care about the kicker for this whole little sub story and why i had to give this a pretty low structure score is in the end the whole trek that dennis quaid does and his friend dying and everything has non- no out has no effect right. on the outcome because he knew where his son was before all he did on the phone, he was able to tell his son, stay inside until the ice storm passes. And that's exactly what his son did. And then Dennis Quaid was like, I'm going to come trek and well, I'm going to get you. Presumably what I got was that even though the ice storm, quote unquote, the ice storm passing was just the one that instantly freezes you. I guess the idea being that he still didn't have the capabilities to walk out of there without the extra gear he was bringing. But he didn't walk out of there. All that happened oh, was Dennis... Oh, because then like a, choppers and shit. Yes. Dennis Quaid and his friends walked across the tundra found Jake Gyllenhaal exactly where they already knew that he was doing exactly what he was told and then Dennis Quaid calls in some army helicopters to come get them all. Yeah, wouldn't he you just say just... stay there until this date and the chopper will pick you up? Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. exact. It would have been the exact same outcome except Dennis Quaid's friend wouldn't have died and uh, I mean that's it. One guy died for this useless It's also dumb trek. that he was just walking and didn't have like a snowmobile or something. Right. It was just like kind of a poorly planned trip. People were supposed to have been abandoning things all over the place. I think he would have been able to find something. And also just from like the science portion of it, they had, they said like this super chilled air from up in the stratosphere was being pushed down by a tornado to like freeze people. Yeah. And I told you this, but people will do like Joe Rogan and everything. We'll do that cryotherapy. Yeah. Where you basically get in your shorts and stand in like negative 180 degrees for like two minutes or something. Yeah. There's no air in the atmosphere that is so cold that just it being blown on you instant freezes you like that. Yeah. And stuff like that is the Certainly ridiculous... not like chasing you down a hallway. Oh God. What's chasing... funny is it would chase you through a whole hallway until they close the doors to their room and then those doors like freeze over and that's it. Oh, because like, they so have why three books any other yeah they just yeah. have a fire going. yeah they have a book they have a fire made up of three burning books in the corner of a room so the whole room is warm enough that but i mean that is how it would work cold. that's why it's stupid like even if it was 100 degrees below zero outside if you have a fire in the room it's not gonna be fucking 200 degrees below zero you'll still be cold but yeah gonna live right but the movie presupposes that you can have both that right. you can have the cutoff point where the negative 500 degree or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was supposed, supposed to, be, to be negative 500 degree air is gonna be fended off right. by this fire and it, it just i mean that did anger me the first time not the second time because i was ready for it um i mean aside from like i said the the little subplot that actually has no effect on anything and the desensitization and the bad characterization. I mean, it's just <laughs> that every little element is brought up with such like sincerity that like when they start burning the books, other characters are like, Oh my God, you can't burn these books. It was books. so dumb. <laughs> yeah. And 
And then I'm like, like, there's libraries all over the world. This isn't the only copy of these fucking yeah. books, you idiot. And then Emmy Rossum gets sick, so they have to go outside and find her some medicine. And then these wolves attack yeah, them. Just, it's like, oh my god, the wolves! It's just a, <laughs> this totally contrived. Yeah, and like they realize, like you said, that okay, wait, we all we have right now is buildings falling over. Yeah, we need a plot to put in here. Right, and there is not much to it at all. And Dennis Quaid's wife, Celia Ward, is a doctor, and she before this tragedy, stays with before the this, kid. yeah, before this whole storm hits, she. He's taking care of a kid who's like dying of cancer. Right, a terminal cancer. And uh, when his parents supposedly die in the storm, they can't find them. She like stays behind to take care of the cancer kid because the because the the transports they have at the time can't get them. Right. First of all, and like the fact that she's gonna sacrifice her life for a kid who's already dying. And well, this like I was saying, they don't do a good job making you like. Here's right. a kid who's terminal cancer patient. You're supposed to think that this is dramatic and really care about this character. Meanwhile, they kill millions and millions of people in some right. giant tidal wave or yeah. <laughs> explosions or freezing over. Right, right, and uh, and then in the end, she and the cancer kid get rescued because an ambulance comes by because they hear that two people are in a hospital right. somewhere. You're like, oh, come meanwhile, on. This the is... enti- everything north of like. I don't know. The Mason-Dixon line. Yeah, exactly. It's frozen to solid and everyone's dead. Right. So, all right. So far, we are exactly the same, right? You gave that one and a half? Yeah. I gave so it one and a half also. Entertainment. All right. Let's see if we're, if we, this is the last Let's one. see if we can close see it out. Close it out. Close it out. I gave it one and a half. Me too. Yeah. Wow. It doesn't happen very often, folks. first one? Maybe not for, I think it's our second I don't, one. I, it might be the first one that we've gotten every single category the That's same. That's what I mean. See, we've gotten the same scores at least once before total. Right. But not the same ca- every category. Right. Usually, usually it'll be flip-flops somewhere, but this is the first one to be exactly the same as far as I can tell. So yeah, one and a half. It's, it's, was surprisingly easy to watch. Exactly, the I don't time. remember being like I was remembered it being so bad, and that might have affected our perception of it that we yeah. were like we remember this being so awful. Right, and like I wasn't, I wouldn't even say I was bored. I was just you're just incredulous at how dumb some of this stuff is. Right, I mean I'll say even when we saw that the movie was on TV, we didn't immediately decide. Oh, let's watch right. it do to do a podcast on it. We just kind of started watching it. Like, oh, this goofy movie. Stop. Remember how goofy this was? Yeah. And that does say something. I mean, as much as we're talking about how ridiculous this is and unrealistic, I mean, it was watchable. Yeah, I mean, like, each individual scene, even though the premises are ridiculous, like we're saying, each individual scene isn't done so poorly that you can't watch. Like, okay, it's dumb for the ice to be chasing them or whatever, but the way that those scenes are structured isn't worse than any other movie where something's chasing somebody. You know, it's just the premise is dumb. Right. The scene itself and, you know, all the other regular movie making stuff and everything is not terrible. It's not insulting. No. It's not insulting. So, all right, let's, I'm going to run through these scores again. Each of us gave so it exactly the same half. in each category. Two in acting, one and a half visuals, one and a half structure, one and a half entertainment for a total of six and a half each. Yeah. So a total of 13, right? Yep. All right, moving on to... Moving on to the future. Yep, to Roland Emmerich's uh, Piece de Resistance, or however that's... uh... Is that his last movie? (laughs) No, okay, I think it's his last disaster movie. Yeah, because he did do something else, but I don't remember what it was. Well, it depends on if you consider Independence Day Resurgence a disaster movie or not. I wouldn't, not in this sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a sequel to another alien In the same way that I don't consider, like transformers a disaster movie they're supposed to be epic and that the fate of the entire planet is in jeopardy but it's not just oh this stuff is happening and there's nothing you can do but Mm -hmm. ride it out kind of thing right so i I think 2012 is the culmination of all the things that and everything is most ridiculous (laughs) right i'd had trouble scoring this one more so than the other one i think okay because i felt i was comparing it to the other one but i had a hard trouble giving a hard time giving it significantly different scores in some areas so first off, let's start with try to guess the Rotten Tomato score. 
Okay, what was the other one? 42? 44. I'd say this one was 35 then. 40. Oh, so pretty close. Yeah, so these are surprisingly close and, as far as I'm concerned, surprisingly high. I, well, I, yeah, I say that for both of them. Mm. I wouldn't have guessed that high if I hadn't heard that the other one was that high. Right, right. So 2012 is... Um, it's interesting because I thought it was... Not that tw- the Day After Tomorrow is any good, but I thought this one was obviously worse right. in a lot of ways. But I didn't... I had trouble scoring it worse in any individual ca- category. Before we get into the scores, let's do a quick summary. Uh, so 20... 20- John Cusack <laughs> has some debts. <laughs> Needs to make some movies, apparently. <laughs> John Cusack <laughs> likes money. So Someone remember that Amanda Pete was still alive. Uh, Chewedle Edge of Four uh, also likes making money, as this does Danny Glover. Danny so. Glover. <laughs> President Murtaugh, as we yeah. call him in this. Barack, uh, I'm too old for this shit, Obama. Right. I called him, <laughs> I called him uh, President Grandpa. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is a goofy choice. Yeah, so so 2012 is about a geological... You were like, uh, is Morgan Freeman busy or something? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of what, Deep Impact, yeah, Morgan I know. Freeman. So uh, when Danny Glover showed up, I just was like, holy shit. Obviously, Roland Emmerich went into this and said, I need a black president. Right. And Morgan Freeman said, I've already done the black president thing. I don't want to be in your stupid movie. And then he went to the guy from 24, and that guy was like, I've already done the black president. <laughs> <laughs> thing too yeah. this movie sounds horrible so then he went to the next prominent uh black actor of the right age and he did denzel also did not want to do it <laughs> yeah maybe denzel wasn't old enough yeah you know? he might not be old enough he might be their age but he doesn't, he doesn't seem look their like, age yeah. he's he must be at least 15 years younger so he just roland Emmerich just went i need a black guy uh, 60 ish right and uh danny glover was free and Roland Emmerich did not Basically care free. that they gave him some soup or something. He is the least, pre- <laughs> yeah. Unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks. <laughs> That's how he came across. It. He came across as like almost senile he and did. like kind of doddering. That's why I said President Grandpa. Yeah. And he's like, got I don't the- know if that was just him or if that was like a weird direction for the character or something. Okay, well, you're you're making it really difficult to give a synopsis right, of go, the go movie. Go for synopsis. So, uh, all right. So, <laughs> <laughs> basically, the synopsis. Right. The world is ending because the poles are shifting. So everything's falling apart and earthquakes are tearing me apart, Lisa. And Chiwetel Ejiofor knows it's going to happen. So he tells tells the government and they have a couple years and they create these big ships for the richest of, yeah, that they call arcs for the richest of humanity to buy seats on so that when the world ends, they can live on these arcs. Uh, That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, All and right. John Cusack is in it. <laughs> okay, so for acting and casting, I feel a, I had trouble rating it less than the other one because I feel sort of the same way. There's a couple things that are a little bit over the top, like Woody Harrelson, but that character was supposed to be kind of crazy. So in the so end, what'd you give it? I gave it a two again. I gave it a one and a half. I almost I, did that, but I was like, was it really any worse? I thought then? it was worse. As I was, so like I said, as we were watching Day After Tomorrow, I did not feel like part of the problem was any of the actors. I thought they did right. what they could with the parts and, and that they were time, not necessarily And I guess in this one, you do specifically miscast. notice a few, like exactly. the Morgan Freeman. Danny Glover. Or not, that's what I meant. Dor- Danny yeah, Glover. I mean, look, we can barely talk about the movie because every time we remember he's in it, we but shut down. But he's not a big part of the movie either no but he's so horrendously miscast 
And it's so comical that every time he comes on screen, the movie stops dead and you're just, you're just watching this going, nobody, I mean, this guy is like a grandpa. He, he's not, he's not presidential. Yeah, and, and I agree, but I don't think, to me, that wasn't worth a whole half point. And the other one's like, John Cusack, okay, it's weird, but it doesn't, he's fine in it. He's wouldn't, he's not worse than anyone else, I don't think. I, I, I didn't like John Cusack in that I role. Didn't, I thought, I thought was he was extremely random. Well, he and is, but I mean, I like also that... didn't like how the character was written. So I'll probably talk more that's about not that acting in or the casting. structure yeah. section. But with him on screen, I was kind of like, huh, this this guy? You're yeah. like, why do we care about him? And he didn't have any chemistry with any... Chemistry, I think, was another thing in this. Nobody had any chemistry with each other. But that was the same with the other one, too. That's why I was kind of... I get You just didn't notice it as much because there was very little like interaction in that sense. Mm-hmm. Where in this one, they had the subplot of like the stepdad and this thing and the... There were a lot more characters in this one. Day After more, Tomorrow yeah. focused on a relatively small group of characters. This one focused... Focuses on like ten or 10 more or 12, characters. Yeah. yeah, so there are a lot of characters in this movie, and I and none of them felt realistic to me. That's the true. most realistic one to me was Oliver Platt. Yeah, exactly. As, <laughs> as the did we ever even figure out what At his first I thought place he was the vice president, was? but he must have been the head of like FEMA or something weird. Yeah. He was apparently third or fourth in the line. He wasn't Speaker of the House. He wasn't the vice president, but he was whatever comes next. He was in remember. the line of succession. Yeah, but he also high. was. He also was somebody that when Chiwetel Ejiofor's science character realizes something is happening, he like breaks into this party that the Oliver like Platt character is at. So I don't know what member of government Look you would go running on to. IMDb. It'll say what his character was, probably. It doesn't... No, it, just it says doesn't. The name. It just says the name. He's um, Carl Anhauser. Yeah. And... Let me look Just in Google Wikipedia. That. It'll probably say it. White House Chief of Staff. Oh, he's the Chief of Staff. Why okay. would you go to the Chief of Staff with a science problem? Well, it wasn't a science problem per se. It was a threat to the country. Okay, so... He must have already... I think he was supposed to have sort of known the guy. He knew who he was already. Right. It, like he said, like from the way that conversation went, it made it appear that the guy had sent him to look into some of these things. Mm-hmm. And then he just barged back in like instantly. and was like, this is fucking serious kind yeah. of thing. So Oliver Platt as the White House chief of staff, he who eventually fine. becomes yeah. president, was really the only character I could connect with. And it I think it was... Realistic. It was yeah. he was a He was a combination of the best written and best cast character. Right. He so, fit his role well. So Right. And no one else, I either And he was, acted the most realistically of any of them right so everyone else i was either off put by how they were playing the character or feeling like it was miscast or something so i did feel like it was the acting was overall worse the i day agree after it was a little but i just didn't think it was worth a whole half point well i we can't do quarter points so right. i wanted to differentiate somehow so i understand I, yeah so i understand I'm, i can't necessarily argue because i did that in another score. category coming up so all right all right so let's move on to visuals I said one. I said one For the also. same reason. It was, it was noticeably worse. worse. And the, I gave one and a half to the other one. And also for the same, like they were actually physically worse, which is what we talked about already, to where they literally look cheaper. There were some, some of like it looked I, like At video one point games. I remarked, yeah. I was like, this looks like it's GTA 5 or something, like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. And it was so, so ridiculous. I The first time I saw the movie, I was talking about how, how it was like DuckTales, mm-hmm. where there's a crack where it's chasing their car, you know? All the, and yeah. it's, that's literally what happens in this movie. Yeah. You're driving around, every, the cracks are chasing them, the waves are chasing them, the yeah. fire is chasing them. And everything's a last second save. Yeah, like someone exact, falls it's the same down a crack over and, and over themselves. again. Yeah, it's extremely like the exhausting. The flood's chasing them, the cracks chasing them, the explosion of the caldera is chasing them. Yeah. Over and over again. Yep, they're just always running from something that's happening in nature right. that's chasing them, even though. Well, yeah, so there's whatever, very yeah. little impact to it. No. And it's just. No. 
Um, I don't know that there's really much else yeah, to add. Else to it's just, it's, it looks crappy. It's stupid looking. It's just stupid and comical. Right. And then every once in a while, like Woody Harrelson, it will show up in this ridiculous, like crazed hobo get up. Yeah. And it just, it's just all looks so stupid. And then John Cusack comes on screen with his John Cusack face. It's <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. I'm trying to watch the volcano explode. All right. Moving on to structure. Uh, this is another one. I gave it the same one and a half, but I think it should be worse again. I hit it hard. I gave it a 0. 0.5. Wow. I gave it a I was, 0. I was struggling 0. 0.5. between one and, a, one and one and a half. The reason I gave it one and a half instead of a one was because I think they, this one did a better job of setting up at least like little, I don't want to say missions, but you know how like mission to go get the kid is like the subplot in this one. Like there's little subplots that actually are at least slightly more intriguing. Like, okay, they've, they've got some overarching thing. they got to get to these ships. You don't know what the ships are. That's at least somewhat interesting. Yeah. Then you have these little, okay, get the map, get the plane. Like, that's a, that's a little bit better to me in terms of a flow for an entertaining movie. I guess. I, so part of the reason I hit this so hard is because John Cusack, our hero, there's nothing about him that makes him heroic. He doesn't That's really true. affect any it's outcomes. Not of him. He is but a this... right he's a right place right time character. Yeah, which is kind of annoying. And most of the time with heroes in movies, they are heroes because they have some sort of skill or knowledge or something. Right. He just literally heard a crazy guy say something about the world ending. Right. And then heard some other people talk about it, kind of put two and two together. 30 seconds before the rest of the world. So that 30 seconds gave him time to go get his ex-wife and kids and her boyfriend to bring, to, to have them get chased around by cracks in the road. Like in, in the day after tomorrow, how we're talking about, you are just a passive recipient of everything Mm -hmm. that's happening. That's true to the larger extent in this movie of the disaster itself. But there are more moments where people have to like make decisions, you know? Sure. So there's a little bit like, I I definitely don't think you're off. I think it's, so At it, best, the same, but probably also, it's slightly also worse. in the end. The we mentioned the arcs and that the government has a couple years to build these, and it sells seats on the arcs for a billion you know euros. I'm changing mine because I'm thinking of all the little things, yeah. it, and it I'm like, this is for, actually yeah. it definitely is worse. Yeah, it sells it for a billion euros a piece. So right. only the richest of the richest or people actively working on the arc are allowed right. to go on the arc. So in the end, the whole goal of of the movie is to save a few hundred thousand people because the entire earth is going to be earth is going to be destroyed. Right. So in the end result is that only the richest survive. Right. And there, and there are, like you said, there are little submissions along the way, like at near the end of the movie, um, one of the arcs gets destroyed. And so all the people from that arc need to go to a different arc. Well, they didn't get destroyed. It was like, wasn't, it was damaged. It wasn't, wasn't, they couldn't, yeah. Yeah, so they weren't going to load the people onto the arc and they were just going to let them die. And then the Chiwoto Ejiofor character convinces everyone on one of the other arcs to let all those people waiting outside in. All those people are fucking rich pricks that you've yeah. been looking down on the entire <laughs> Right, like movie. they showed you what an asshole this Russian billionaire was and how he the right. kids were little shitheads and yeah. everything. And now you're supposed to care that they're like stuck out there. And yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly. And so no, no regular people survive except our very small group of main characters. John Who Cusack, also are just totally not victims of the... But, beneficiaries of circumstance they in are. this case. Like I said, he didn't earn his way onto it. No. He just got 30 seconds ahead of everybody else. Right. And then they and just kind of... Happened to hear of... a few things and find out about the arcs themselves. Right. So they just lucked on and everyone else is some rich asshole who paid and then to billions make it of worse, euros. And this is the one thing, that a couple, one thing I was thinking of that made me finally change it. Well, a couple things. 
was that in the end, it turns out that like, okay, not literally everyone on the planet died anyway. The entire continent of Africa is basically safe. Right. And it's like you have these massive arcs and you have to have a billion dollars to get a seat. And like all it really is is a boat that ha- can be non-capsized for a month or so and then right. everything's fine. You're telling me these billionaires couldn't have done that on their own? You're telling me someone who the billion spent dollars? 10 billion euros for his family to get on there yeah. couldn't take 2 billion euros and build a submarine or right. whatever? Yeah, basically just build a yacht that's, can't, that's a submarine. Yeah. A super yacht and make it so they can't roll over or anything. Right, right. Or run, so, or run into rocks or something. So the end result of this entire movie is that you've just got this remainder of humanity that sucks. Like, I don't like anybody in it. Didn't he almost. have some African element in the first movie, too? Yes, that's another thing that Roland ever... He has a, like a third-world country thing. Yeah. So, in The Day After Tomorrow, it ends with this whole global global warming message. The, you know, the president of the United States comes on and says, the people in the third world have taken us in, and they are oh, the right. best, and we're the ones who caused this. they have to go to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but Mexico, Africa, they do specifically mention Africa. And then in 2012... 2012 only Africa survives, so now all the people are going to have to go to Africa to right. live. And they they sort of ham-fist some kind of message right. in there. So, yes, it's one of Roland Emmerich's <laughs> things that he got to put in there. So another reason I gave this it's a no low structure... spider, but... You know, yeah. just, uh... <laughs> another reason I gave this a low structure score is it's kind of... It's got some mean spirit, like mean-spirited deaths in it, yeah. I felt like. There also, were... the one thing, before you get into the details, because mine's brief, the one thing that I uh, remembered, which isn't huge, but just shows kind of the, the way they did this movie, was there's a portion in the very beginning, because they're in California, where they have the governor on TV saying that <laughs> nothing's going wrong, and it's like the worst Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Like, I could probably <laughs> I do a better one on my own. I think I could and do a better like one. And there's like a dozen comedians out there who can do like perfect impersonations. Yeah. It's to the point where I'm like... Maybe they thought that they shouldn't do it perfectly, like they're not pretending to be him because then they would get in trouble. But I was like, that can't be right because obviously it's him. He's got the accent. He's the governor of California. Like they are pretending this is Arnold, right? So oh, they, why he would even they said do some stuff badly? about acting. He's like right. in all the movies of all Lennon. the movies, <laughs> like the worst is past. Yeah, but not even that well. <laughs> no, no, that was that was ten times better than they did it. So and then he told the hurricane. He's like, I'm here. Kill me, come on. Yeah. do it. So this movie did kind of, it angered me a little bit more than the rewatch of Day After Tomorrow. And part of the reason was yeah. there were there were some mean-spirited deaths where like... They he didn't do made anything th- wrong. <laughs> they, they didn't do anything wrong. And he made you, Roland Emmerich made you think that he was going to let this character survive. Right. And then they just end up dying anyway. Right. And uh, it was the John Cusack's ex-wife's Gordon. boyfriend uh, who actually affects the survival of the group way more than John Cusack yeah, himself. Because he flies them everywhere. He makes it to the Ark and then gets crushed from the feet first in the gears yeah. of the Ark. And that, was, like, that was, the reason he did that was just so they could be like him and Amanda Peet yes. could get back together. Yes. It was That's totally like eliminate it this felt, plot element ham-fistedly. That's what I'm saying. It felt mean-spirited. Like he didn't get to survive because he was... In the way of this thing happening. Right. Of our of our supposedly two main characters like getting the, back the together. Russian like the pilot who is like a badass did everything well. Yes. Yes, and he just drives the plane off a cliff at the end. But they even pause it at the top of the cliff to make you think that maybe it's going to be one of those scenes where he like gets out of the plane before right. it gets. Nope, he just plummets. And they never explain that. And then the that Russian these guys girlfriend wouldn't have asked. She didn't die though. Yes, she did. When did she die? She got drowned when the water came in the ark. Oh, she should have survived. Yeah. She should have survived. Everyone she was else with, in the same chamber. Everyone did. else survived. But she got caught in a chamber that got flooded. It literally felt like he just killed that character because he looked down on her and thought she was just like a stupid bimbo that didn't right. deserve to 
live. That's what it felt like. Because even one of the few parts I liked about this movie was, uh, I keep mentioning the Russian, there's this group of Russians, there's a Russian billionaire who has two um, twin sons. And he's got this trophy wife girlfriend thing. And then he's got a loyal uh, lackey who plays pilot to him. So this Russian guy, he's a he's a villain. He's a he's a nasty dude, blah 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 blah. They set him up to be unlikable. You know he's gonna die the whole time. Even the kids are unlikable and stuff. Right, but the kids get through, they right. make it, the dad dies getting the kids onto the ark. And in one of his dying moments, he sees that his girlfriend, who he did not buy a ticket for right. because he's an asshole, had snuck onto the ark with John Cusack's family and she's giving him the finger like as yeah. he's dying. And it was one of the only things I was like, yeah, right. yeah, I'm into that. So they have that little scene. She off. should have survived. Right. She, that should have been her like, yeah, fuck yeah, you, there was I no, made it. There's nothing that it served the movie for her to die there. Nope. It didn't like add tension to a scene. It wasn't dramatic. They just were like, ha, we're done with this character. Right. So I, I think I only have one more thing to say about the structure section. Do you have anything else before? No, not really. Fucking... Two hours and 38 yeah, minutes. Way too long. This like, movie's we, like... I paused like, to go to the bathroom and when they're basically at the arcs and then there's like 30 minutes left and right. we're like, what the shit? Right. This movie is as long as a fucking Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. So... Absolutely no. And it's so yeah. desensitizing that you're just like, oh, more things going oh, great. bad. Oh, great. Is this... Is the crack in the earth going to chase them I will. Again? I still, though, I do think... And I'll get in... Well, this is the next category, but that was it. No, that's so fine. You, we I, can move I, on. Entertainment value. I so. said I do think, to me, this one was more entertaining than Day After Tomorrow. I ended up giving it the same entertainment value because... Sort of how I did for the same uh, acting value. Right, because... Like, I do think it's more, but not like a whole lot. I, I gave it a two. I went up a little bit. I gave it a one and a half, which is what I gave Day After Tomorrow. Because Day After, day after Tomorrow, I got a little more enjoyment as... A real movie. This one right. was this a one worse a more, movie, but, but it was, it was more, more ridiculous, and, I, and I we think, were laughing, and we were, and we were, yeah. And you're, it's more engaging in the sense that there is something that there's like a mission that they're trying to figure out. Like you don't know what's going on. They're slowly figuring it out. They have a place to go. They're trying to get there. Like it's more of a real straightforward. Instead of just like achieve, watch yeah. all this horrible shit happen to everyone yeah. for an hour. Yeah. And then I'll go get my son, but I didn't really need to. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but it's not much better. Right. No, it's fair enough. So you enjoyed it a little bit more. I would say I enjoyed it equally, but for different reasons. Yeah. It is Definitely a more much, ridiculous. It is a worse movie. It is worse. I That's was, why I was having such trouble with rating it, because I'm like, this is movie's significantly worse, even though that one wasn't good. Mm-hmm. So It had better setups for like riffing, though. Right. So. A lot more kind of... So, it's so over the top. Right. That it's just, you can laugh at a bunch of different goofiness. Right, right. So go through your scores again. Two, one, one, two. So six. And I said two, one and a half, one and a half, one and a half. No, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong scores. I said one and a half, one, point five, and one and a half for four and a half. Total ten and a half for this movie. So yeah. it is significantly worse. I, sh- than I the probably day after should tomorrow. have gone a little more on acting and casting, but whatever. So it's either five and a half or six. But yeah, it's same reason. Like I think it was worse, but I don't know if it was a whole half point worse. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I don't necessarily. It probably was. There's a lot of goofy. Acting. We're in. We're in more agreement than I thought we were gonna be. Yeah. Um. I thought you were gonna score it a lot lower than me. Actually. Interesting. Yeah. Well, actually, I scored 2012 very low. I so can't get much lower than a that. A total of four and a half is, is like one of the what do you lower. Put on Suicide Squad. We never did Suicide. We talk about Suicide Squad all the time, but we've never I actually sworn officially we went through it. No, we have never scored Suicide Squad. What was the squad. lowest one we scored? Um. So I've given some four and a halves before. 
Ballistic X versus yeah. Sever, I gave four and a half. You gave four to Rollerball. Uh, well, that's a pretty bad movie. Yeah. I think 2012 is almost as bad as Rollerball. It's almost as bad, but the actual movie-making elements are not as bad. Right. Like, literally, that shit didn't make any sense. So, and I the gave... Dark, the fucking uh, <laughs> night vision and the sound effects. Boing, like, boing, 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 boing. like, that is... And the acting in that one, like, come on. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, Lone Ranger, I gave four. Wild Wild West, I gave four and a half. You gave... What did I give Wild Wild West? They probably got a whole... Five. Oh, okay. You did five and a half and five for Lone Ranger and Wild Wild West. You did not hate That's those as much That's a whole Selma Hayek point, though, probably. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tommy Knockers, we both gave very low. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah. That was just boring. But I I think 2012 is... It's, it's a definitely bad, there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a bad movie. There. Yeah, like I would sooner watch Johnny Mnemonic Again, five yeah. times than 2012 one more time. Especially when you talk about the length. Two yeah, and a half so hours. Long. Fucking Lord of the Rings I'm movie, I'm glad I man. didn't know. I bet that would have affected my scores if I knew that going in and was sitting there knowing that it was going to be that much. I was shocked. I did yeah. not think that either of these movies was going to be over two hours. Uh, we should have known, Day After Tomorrow with, uh, was right at two hours. We should have known hours. with Roland Emmerich. They're always long. Are they? I think Independence Day is probably one of the shorter ones. I think Godzilla was pretty long, over two hours too. Was it? I only saw Godzilla once in theaters, and I have almost no. He likes weird, like people, like Matthew Broderick for the lead. He likes he likes wimpy, like very not heroes. action hero type guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked with Jeff Goldblum in uh, Independence Day. But he also wasn't yeah. the main. He was one. He was a co-main because they hero. have like okay, we got the military guy, right? So they know. balanced each other out. Uh, right. They didn't really have that. In, I mean, I guess they had that in. There's multiple characters in because they had like Jean Reno and everything and uh, Godzilla. Yeah, Godzilla. I just don't. I don't remember enough to comment on it. So maybe we'll have to do that one versus something else yeah. one day. Um, but I think. I mean, <laughs> Godzilla versus watching two hours of Hot Pockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, structurally, I wonder which one will yeah, win. Exactly. <laughs> The entertainment value yeah. on the Hot Pockets is pretty high. Visuals, excellent. Right, right. So that's pretty much all I have Casting to say. Casting is terrible. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about yep. either that's one of these. all I have to say about that. Yeah. What? I said that's all I have to say about that. Oh, uh, I get the reference. Movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, movies. I understand. <laughs> things I recognize. <laughs> things no, I that, recognize. That's a Red Letter Media thing, so that's I can't steal it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a meta reference. Yep. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in contact with us, the email address is faintpraisepodcast at gmail.com and tweet at me, faintpraisetj. Look for my dog. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me how awesome our dog is. I'm, I'm, he's ours. <laughs> I'm claiming your dog too. No, you're not. You have your own fucking crusty old dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's not as cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, and hopefully you will join us next week. See ya.